Welcome to the Korean American Parenting Podcast, where we share the idiosyncrasies, struggles, joys, and pains of being a Korean American parent, not just Korean or American, navigating the unique cross cultural challenges of parenthood. I'm Jerry. And I'm Jang. Join us each week as we chat with fellow parents and parenting experts about topics like academics, health, both physical and mental, and culture. And of course, how current events such as COVID has impacted all our lives in numerous ways. Our hope is that through these conversations, we'll grow together as confident Korean American parents raising confident Korean American children. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and follow us on Instagram at Korean American Parenting. And be sure to share this with a fellow parent if you find the show helpful. Thanks again for tuning in. And here now is this week's episode. Hey, everybody. Happy New Year. Hope you enjoyed an unlicensed playing of one of the songs that we grew up with. And if you have no idea what that song is, then you're probably young. Um, but that's what I thought K-pop was, or that's what I still think K-pop is. Um, Jang, do you know what, that, what year Candy came out? I think it's 1998. 98? <laughs> no, I think it... Hold on. No, it was before because a bunch of friends in Fullerton um, sang it or danced to it for our junior high school talent show, which was 97. So I think it may have been like 96. I think like it was 1996, in 1997 uh, or 6, but um, I just remember like my friends uh, dancing to it in, in Asia Fest in 1998. Uh, it debuted in 1996. The, the original song? album, yeah. Oh. Wow. Uh, yeah, the, the first album was 96. Dick uh, Tewa Yang and uh, the second album called Wolf and Sheep was 97. Um, fascinating. Back to the future. <laughs> I, old, old school stuff. Hey, folks, uh, if you're joining us on Facebook, whether on my personal page or on the Korean American Parenting page, welcome. We are doing, uh, Jang and I are the co-hosts of the Korean American Parenting Podcast. You see that right above us. And we're doing a monthly series where we ask you to ask us questions and not us, but Dr. Okay. Cho in particular. Um, and, and she'll answer any questions that you want about kids, about parenting, about um, anything that you want. If you are tuning in, just give us a comment on the feed. Jang, if you want, if anybody else that's watching wants, could jump onto your Facebook page and press that share button, which is probably going to be like right around here. And uh, let's get more eyeballs on this because the things that we talk about on the show and the things that uh, we're going to talk about today in particular, as our listeners have submitted some questions for you to answer, uh, Jang, I, I think these are important things that we, yeah, we talk about it in our community and amongst our groups of uh, parent friends and community, but we certainly don't talk about it enough. And that's what we want to do. We want to normalize talking about all sorts of parenting, child, family related things that we really, really don't talk about. Hang on. I am going to make my video. Can't post to some destinations. While I try to figure this out, uh, Jang, share with us. How was your uh, How was your New Year's? How was it? What did you do? What did you not do? It's the 5th of January. So uh, how was your New Year's? And tell us something that you learned or... Well, it was very peaceful and quiet. Uh, we all went to bed at 7. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, we, we go to bed really early. Um, <laughs> but... Um, I mean, I think I think for for us it snowed um, in between Christmas and New Year's um, was like the big snow of the year. So um, we ended up playing a lot in the snow and kind of having a, a good family time as we have done for the past eight months. Um, <laughs> hi, Gloria. Um, and so uh, you know, I think it kind of um, set up. It was kind of like a proof of like what we've done in the past eight year, eight months, but also kind of enjoying it and being in the moment. Um, uh, the month of December had been really hard for me. I think I felt like I was very scattered. I was, you know, on my phone all the time. I wasn't really being mindful. And so it really was a time for me to like regroup, um, focus on what's priority, my family and spending quality time. Um, I think that was kind of the perspective that uh, I lost because when you're doing it for the eight months, it kind of gets really boring. <laughs> so, yeah. How was yours? It was good. I, you know, I think both you, your, your family and mine, we believe in science. We believe in um, doing what's right 
for not just our own selves, but for everybody else, right? So, and we met and, and started doing stuff together. You first came on my other show, The Asian Americans, back in March. So we've been friends since pretty much the entirety of, of the pandemic. And I, I can't imagine what other people are going through because it's hard for us. And and, and I say that under the context of uh, you being a doctor, my wife also being a healthcare person, because even when you believe everything that you're doing is right, it's hard. And so if other people who may be getting other information or pressure from family, like it's hard and, and we get it and it sucks. It absolutely sucks. Um, we didn't see my, the kids haven't seen their parents uh, for Christmas or New Year's this year, which sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally did a drive-by on Christmas Day to exchange gifts in the driveway for 15 seconds. And then on New Year's Day, as things were getting even worse here in California, we said, you know what, let's just F it completely and do a virtual hangout with, um, you know, our family. Luckily, my brother and his wife are in Pennsylvania. And so, you know, it took the pressure off to do something in person. We also know that not everybody has that luxury. And again, rightfully or wrongfully, a lot of people are... I guess wrongfully, not rightfully, being pressured and uh, feeling feeling pressured to do things in person, whether it is due to uh, the pressures from their parents or from whatever. So suffice it to say, it's been a very weird holiday season. Uh, we stayed home. We told the kids that it was New Year's when it was New Year's in New York City so that we could put them to bed at nine o'clock. But also with the new year, uh, we decided to move our younger one into the older one's room to try to get them used to the idea of sleeping together and to uh, match their sleeping clocks a little bit. It's How do you uh, You know, when, when, when Kyungwa puts them to sleep at night, uh, it's fantastic. On day two, I attempted to nap them. And Jacob's almost, Jacob's four, right? So um, he doesn't like to nap and he thinks it's fun that his sister's there. So nap was a disaster. After an hour, we gave up. Yeah, after an hour, I gave up. I threw them in the car and we drove around the neighborhood. And then she was out before like we hit the road. Like, you know, but so yeah, it, it's been a fun and challenging year. Obviously, um, both of us work from home. Both of us have, uh, for lack of a better term, digital businesses where we don't have to see each other or see colleagues or, you know, uh, clients, patients in person um, if, if we don't want to. And so that's been fantastic. Uh, before, So today's episode, which is going to air on the podcast on Thursday on the 7th, but we're doing this live and we want to do these live. On the first episode of the month, for the last few months, we've done two things. One, for the first half of the episode, we bring you on as the guest and as the expert, as, as, a, trained child, as a trained child psychologist, uh, to field questions from our... I'm sorry, no offense to the psychologists out there, but different two different things. And so as a child psychiatrist, there are things that you are an expert at, the things that uh, people want to ask of you. Because of a lot of different things, access to healthcare, just uh, being trained and being raised to ask mental health related questions or self-care questions or, or questions like that. Friends and, and people in our community don't seek professional medical help when it comes to these things. And so we want to provide a space and a platform where you can ask her whatever you want um, that is within her purview. And as we say anything, because let us and let her tell you if she can't chat about anything or if she doesn't feel comfortable answering and she can uh, share with you her thoughts on why or why not. And so, Tiffany, see, this is where I get in trouble from my friends. I know, Tiffany, I know she's got an MD after her name. (laughs) I apologize. <laughs> if you're if you're a if you're a mom watching, uh, follow follow Tiffany and her friends on TikToks. T I T T does not stand for the thing that you think it stands for, but it stands for <laughs> Tiffany, Tiffany, Isa, Tiffany, and Tiffany, who are best friends from college. All went to UCLA together, and now they're all moms, working moms, and they started a very very fun, informative, and exciting podcast together. So we encourage you to check them out. So yeah. And, and we want to also offer the ability for people to ask questions anonymously. And so we have a form if you want to jump on and ask a question as you are watching this show. I'm going to put the link here on, on the screen. Um, we've made it easy. And so it is, and you have to get the capitalization right just because Bitly is sensitive to that. But if you go to bit.ly, dot k-a-p-p all capital slash ask you can submit your questions and there's also a portion of the question asking exercise uh, where you'll be asked if you want it 
to remain anonymous. And so um, if it's sensitive, if you don't want to, you know, out yourself or let your friends or spouse or whatever know that you're asking these questions, um, we, we will honor that confidentiality, of course. And so, yeah, but before we get started, I do want to give a quick shout out uh, while we have an audience here. And I don't know if she is watching, but this right here behind me, this very fun box, which is empty because we may not have edited or ate it all. It's a brand new subscription box from my friend Juliet, who uh, is a college friend of mine called Hello Korea Box. And in it, in December, um, what, what do we get, Jang? Uh, she, Juliet was kind enough to send me and Jang a box so we can ex uh, experience it ourselves. some BTS stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Some Blackpink stuff, which was very popular with my daughter. Um, we also got a couple stationaries, the Korean stationaries, um, and um, ramen. I, I haven't tasted it because it's supposed to be super spicy. Um, I don't do very well with spicy. Um, and some other things like um, candies. Green, green tea choco pie. Oh, yes. Green tea choco pie. That was a cow friend pens. Mm -hmm. um, just a whole box of Korean goodies from uh, food, snacks, station. There are a lot of stickers. Um, some K-pop related merch, uh, socks. We got BTS socks, and I guess they're BT21. If I'm getting this wrong, I'm going to get emails about it. I think <laughs> it's the fan club, um, but they're cool yellow socks. That we think they're BTS related. Um, and then, as Jiang mentioned, we got these like black pink hammer, the the Mangchi keychain things. So anyway. It's a subscription box. Uh, you can buy it for yourself one month or six months at a time. You can gift it to somebody. It's really a nice box. I think we, we've, we've had other snack boxes and stuff, but this has a lot of culture. This has a lot of goodies and like, you know, non-perishable goods that will stay with our kids or ourselves for a long time. So I want to give a big shout out to Juliet Blake, who is the founder and CEO of Hello Korea Box. And... Uh, so yeah, let's get to our, our first question. So I want to encourage everybody as you are watching us or as you are listening to us, whatever you may be doing, um, feel free to ask us any questions in the question box. I am keeping a live look on our Google form so we can get those. If you are bold enough to ask your questions right here in person, just throw them in the comments of the Facebook thing. And then we can bring up the comment just like this one here. And it will have your post. So, so if, if you want, we can do this and, and have, you know, we can answer your questions live here. Otherwise, if you want to have a little bit more privacy, we completely understand that. Um, as you're watching, if you're able to, uh, please jump on over to Instagram and follow us at Korean American Parenting. And then subscribe to the podcast and our newsletter. Our first newsletter went out yesterday. More than 60% of you amazing human beings opened the newsletter, which is a big deal in the newsletter world. And so thank you for that. And uh, we want to continue to, you know, foremost... I'll talk about the things that we wish we would have, could have, and want to talk about on the topics of Korean parenting. So let's get to our first question, which is an, an anonymous question. And so let me read it in full. So I don't want to do this service to the parent who asked this question. And so from our anonymous listener, the question is, I have a two and a half year old alpha boy. He is a very physically energetic kid since he could walk at 10 months old. Holy crap, that was early. He loves to play and be around other kids. But once he gets comfortable, he will be a little more aggressive than most kids. Wanting to play more, he would nudge kids around and bear hug them and would fall down together. He has bitten other kids a couple of times during play dates before the pandemic started. Usually happens when he gets frustrated or a toy or something. He hasn't bitten anyone for almost a year. But also during the pandemic, he hasn't seen too many friends. What are some ways to start teaching my son personal space and to be more gentle around others? Or do I, as the parent, have to start wrestling with him in bed? <laughs> <laughs> the right answer is no. You can continue. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I read the question and I was very actually, um, I was laughing. <laughs> After, after, um, because I think it's this is something that um, it's definitely any parent would uh, go through. Uh, most most parents uh, with a toddler, two and a half 
a year old toddler, boys and girls. Um, but before I answer this question, uh, question, I, you know, one of the other, uh, questions that we got are, is very similar. Um, so I'm going to read, uh, Christine's, um, question as well and then kind of answer them together. Um, it's interesting because uh, both kids are in a similar age group as well. So the Christine, so the um, question that Christine wrote um, is, I'm concerned that son, my son, who just turned two, has been hitting himself in the face and throwing things for the past uh, few months. It happens immediately after my husband or I ask him to stop something dangerous or deny him something and he gets frustrated, usually one to three times a day, he responds by immediately hugging him to stop him from the harmful act and show love and redirecting his attention to hug a soft doll to find comfort. We've also been reading books with him, called, uh, reading a book called Little Monkey Calms Down to help him see there are other ways to cope with his big feelings. He loves the book, and we remind him of some of the techniques that um, this helps him to stop mid-action. And finally, we've been talking to him about it when he cools down, saying we love him and that we don't hit or throw inappropriate objects in uh, this family because we could hurt somebody, and again, remind him of the little monkey. He enthusiastically agrees and says he understands. Great. Um, we do see a slight improvement now in that sometimes he catches himself brings up a little monkey and goes to grab a soft toy instead. Um, we've been reading this, um, in, uh, we've been thinking that this is normal behavior that should go away on its own, but wanted your thoughts and suggestions on this situation. So um, I think I wanted to read this question as well, um, in addition to anonymous question, because um, the kids, the book, both boys are in a similar age group and are having a similar, well, well different situation um, problems. So for the anonymous um, parents, uh, Alpha Boy, um, it sounds like he's very energetic, but also very social, and he wants to hang out with kids and um, do more with other kids um, and the, it, the age group two to three is actually a really hard time I, th I find it to be very cute uh, age but also very hard time because um, yes the kids are starting to learn how to um, understand the language and also express them right um, so they're not quite there it depends on the child's uh, development um, sometimes the expressive language isn't always to the up to par uh, when even though what they want they already know what they want to express <clears throat> so in this age I think there's a lot more tantrums because they already they have some kind of um, uh, autonomy now right one to you know zero to one one to two you're kind of getting there but you're still kind of extension of your parent and uh, you uh, uh, the kids can get satisfied very much uh, faster two to three you're much more independent the kids really want to do everything by themselves they want to express themselves better they have um, thoughts of their own yet um, the skills to do that isn't there getting there but it's not there so um, I think that's where the, the this difficulty um, and sometimes what uh, parents will say oh they're very stubborn or like you know they we have a really big tantrums at times um, and that's because a lot of it is out of frustration um, so for uh, for the anonymous parents kid it sounds like what happens is that he uh, well there are two things going on here so I think because he's social he wants to play with others but at, um, two is still two and a half is still really young so um, one of the things that when you do go to like preschool um, and absorb observe kids um, if you're you know, sensitive enough, you can see the kids from two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, how they play, it's very different. So two and three-year-olds, so up to two, kids don't usually play together. <laughs> They're in the same space, but they don't really care. <laughs> they just play whatever they want. Um, the two to three, they like to play, but a lot of times what it's called, it's called parallel play. So they don't necessarily interact the way that adults would interact with each other. They do things together in a way that they mirror each other, but um, really the, the ongoing 
one-on-one interaction is difficult. It's um, three and on where the kids can actually start playing together, what we usually call play together, um, and also um, have some kind of uh, more solid adult-like friendship. Now, um, it sounds like he really wants to play but doesn't really know how to initiate that, and that's developmentally correct at this age. But also, he, him being the energetic child, I think it sounds like he doesn't really know the power that he has, physical power. So um, the gentle is very difficult for him. Um, and then the second thing where he's biting other kids, um, this is pre-pandemic, um, it's probably very um, related to his frustration over what he wants to do and cannot do. Um, I think part of it is, um, you know, before pandemic, he was probably like one and a half, almost two years old. Um, so now that he's two and a half, I think um, as his words get um, expanding, he's going to have a better way of uh, coping with his frustration and the biting will um, actually subside. This is a mm. very common um, problem that a lot of the daycare will have. And the daycares, most daycares do fine. They just kind of redirect the child and let them know that this is not okay. Um, and and the, so Christine's child, it sounds like he, uh, instead of hitting others, they, he, she, uh, he hits himself because of, out of the frustration. And, and I think all the things that Christine actually listed are great examples of how to redirect your child so that they do things, they don't do the things that are harmful uh, to your, uh, himself. So uh, reading books about not biting or being gentle to each other, uh, those are really great. Um, kids do really well with the as, as you repeat those things, um, you're, um, you're giving him the tools to how to express um, his feelings, which is really great. Now, I think if I, um, if I wanted, if you wanted a little bit more tip, I think uh, one of the uh, things that the, these two parents can do is actually give them um, 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 words for feelings, right? So um, you, when well, you can't do it when the kids are having melting down, but like kind of, kind of what Christine said, when when he cools off, you can have a play where you can uh, name the feelings. So in therapy, one of the things that we do is identification of emotions. So um, a lot of older kids and sometimes adults um, don't know what they're feeling. They can't identify what they feel, um, especially I think in our culture, there's anger, happiness. That's it. I think <laughs> there's nothing in between, right? No gray um, area. Yeah. Um, and so I think um, giving the names of what they're feeling. So, you know, even you can say, oh, you're feeling frustrated. Um, and then in two and a half, like you, the word sometimes isn't um, that something that they're going to be able to grasp at the very beginning. But as you repeat them, uh, they'll figure out, oh, okay, I am frustrated because I can't uh, put my clothes on. Right. Um, or you can say, oh, you're, you must feel, be feeling very angry because of this. So you're actually giving them words, uh, to identify their feelings. We're sad. Um, all of these things. Um, and then, uh, once they're able to grasp that they're, I, um, this is what I'm feeling, then you can talk about what are the appropriate expression of those feelings. And I think this is like, for me, this, identification and expression, appropriate expression of emotions is probably the what biggest lesson as a parent I could give to my child at this age. Um, yeah. Because this, these are the skills that you're gonna, they're gonna have to hone in on um, as they go into school, as get out of school uh, and go into workforce. So, um, um, I, I, you know, she's already giving him, you know, uh, coping skills to how to deal with these, um, physical feelings that she's feeling. Um, now to add that, just um, having the identification of those feelings. And and then, because if you know those little subtle areas of different feelings, then you can learn how to express them um, both verbally. And it, after that is when you can say, okay, how do we do, uh, make you feel better? Awesome. Thanks for that. I think it's a very um, important skill. And as with a lot of things, parenting, um, and again, this is no, and we talk about this on the show all the time, uh, no judgment to our parents and even our grandparents' generation. They did way more with what they had, uh, literal war and literal famine and 
immigration than um, what we think we're going through. And so props to everybody trying to figure it out together. And then what we're actually doing, because I think, you know, in our own homes, we know our kids very well. And so we can sense triggers or things. But more importantly, we are helping them equip their tools of expression better so that when pandemic is over and they can, you know, go back into daycare, school, you know, extended family, that they can express for themselves what they're feeling. Because, you know, again, if, if they're hanging out with teachers at school, they're not going to be as, as attentive, right? The, um, the, the ratio is not there. And so we're actually going to take a, a different approach today on the show. We have a couple more questions that we want to answer and we'll get to them. Uh, we typically do the first segment of answering questions and then have the back segment of our monthly episodes where we talk to a very special guest. Um, but we have our very special guest here today. Henry, if you can hear us, give us a wave. Um, we're going to bring you on to the screen here in just a few minutes. Um, but okay, perfect. Henry can hear us. Um, Henry's uh, is our friend and his father. Um, we're going to bring him on camera I'm going to get rid of some of these things. Uh, while we do that, Tiffany, thank you for your question. We'll, we'll get to your question after we uh, chat quickly with, with Mr. Kim. I think that's something that is going to take a little bit more time than on the show. Um, Jeng, do you read her comment? Mm, um, no, I do not. Let me, I'll share this with you. We're going to do, yeah, we'll, we'll get to your question. It's a very important question, and we do want to spend some time on it. We'll, we'll, we'll have a conversation with Mr. Kim here first. Um, oh, hi. Hi, Mr. Kim. Hi. 안녕하세요. Say book money about the So uh Mr. Kim is one of the coolest people I found uh in Facebook uh late last year. Mm-hmm. Um he is an amazing artist. And he, you, you are an amazing artist. Um but as as many of our parents went through and continue to go through, you put your artistry and your craft on pause uh, to uh, run your business and to raise your family. And so recently, and I say recently, but it took two years, mm-hmm. um, you did an ama- you created this amazing book. And so we're going to talk about the book. Um, but uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and mm-hmm. um, anything that you want to um you know, have us understand. Uh, we are the Korean American Parenting Show. Show if you want to jump back between languages, we're completely okay with that. Whatever is most comfortable to you, um, mm-hmm. Henry too, man. If you want to jump in and and you know uh, say hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, Mr. Walk, uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Kim. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you very much. Well, uh, now I'm a retired person, an old man. And actually, uh, I studied uh, fine art and the, uh, a lot of things I did, uh, oil painting, watercolor, even a sculpture and interior design and photograph. So, uh, all my dream, my lifetime, and I was trying to be an artist to the living. But in America, so hard to get. So I got a professional photograph job. You know, first time I came in America 45 years ago. And then I became uh, the construction for the interior work. And I did some architecture work. I still have uh, the, one of the jobs for the interior restaurant for this month, even when I retired. Anyhow, then the... Uh, I tried to open a gallery, then I had a gallery when I was uh, about, about 30, 33 years old. So, fine art gallery. That was, that was a success, but I changed into the restaurant. Anyhow, uh, now I'm uh, writing some uh, movie script and uh, children's books. It's the first time I ever tried it because uh, I really love the children's story there because when I was a teenager, my dream was I want to be the cartoonist. You know, I was really had a fun with a the cartoon. Then now I had a, a more time to working with uh, children's stories. So uh, I started 
this one, uh, I think, almost years ago. And takes almost almost a year, you know, about ten months to finish it and auditing and and then and then the graphic works like that. It's almost taking years, but I had a fun. Then then actually I had it last year I had a class for the senior art class, uh free. But this art class is not just uh, painting teaching. It's just a real lifetime hobby. So while trying to teach them something making and sculpture, even draw the Christmas cards, make an apron, you know, like a, a living art and with a fine art. So the art, the fine art is just uh, for the art and canvas and painting. But I was let the people know the art live with it. You know, they can use the art imagination for their interior decorating a home or something, you know, cross design or gift card design. So I was trying to give them a message for the art is not just for the side way to look at it. It just live with it. You know, that's why I teaching it. Now, <clears throat> if this book is a success, I like to make, you know, the children's art class, which is the same thing, the meaning of the, the happiness, the life, to help the art will be helped uh, their life, you know. It's, it's not just a hobby, it's just for their living with it together. Something they look at their nature, they look at it with a different eye, you know, different fun to enjoy the travel, and in a communal home, they can see so anything is visualized in an artistic eye to make them happiness. That was my goal. So I hope, you know, they like this, my book. Well, that's, I mean, I saw, so your, your son, Henry, posted about the book in mm -hmm. a Facebook group that we are all a part of. Mm -hmm. And um, I think Jeng knows this, my wife knows this, like anytime there's an Asian American artist or author that writes a children's book mm -hmm. like 90 percent, i'll buy it because oh, yeah. i have I, I have a four-year-old mr kim and almost a two-year-old and jang oh. has a four-year-old so we have very little children and something that's really important to us uh -huh. um is having books in our house that feature little kids and characters that look like me and you mm -hmm. but also written by our people right so mm -hmm. for both of us um, I came when I was eight. Jen came a little bit later in life, but we grew up our childhood in Korea. So we saw TV shows and books and things like that mm -hmm. that were 100% Korean, right? Yeah. But now that we're trying to raise kids here in America, it's really important because when we go to Barnes & Noble or other bookstores, there's not a lot of books with authors whose last names are Kim or Cho or Park uh, yeah, or Wan, yeah, yeah. right? So uh, I, I, I think what you're doing is really, really important. I, I want to bring up um the screen of your kickstarter and um yeah share with us what your inspiration was what your motivation was it's a book about penguins first of all congratulations on hitting your target which i think is really oh, yeah. awesome Thank you very much. um so the book is happening which is a good thing mm. um, <laughs> um share with us a little bit about the book okay the first of all the I I used I I got the image of the penguins. Whereas I I think the all the kids, even adults, everybody they like the penguins. It's more nature life, you know. So I pick it up that. And then uh, the story I wrote it is uh, it's not a like adventure story like that. And I want to have more uh, the family to care. So this story is about the four children, they're growing and uh, with their father and mom and then how they living together. So uh, actually kids, any kids, they, they, they don't know about the, how, what things need to be growing, you know, to adult, to living what they needed to. 
they just have a fun to play. That's the kids, you know. So uh, this is for the uh, the loving care from the, their their parents, mom and uh, pop, and their the relationship with their two brothers and sisters, and then relationship was another society. I put in it the bear, the one of the the, the bear. So they're together, they're helping. So the mother was trying to uh, uh, teach them to how to catch a fishy and then how become an adult, what they needed to. But the kids, they don't understand. They just go out to play, have a fun, you know. They ignore the, what the mom say. And then with the swimming lessons, and then she had a hard time, they don't like it. And then later on, they totally understood why their mother gives a hard time for the underwater swimming, you know, how to catch the fishing, you know, like that. And then they was wondered, and then their father gone away to catching fishes for uh, all the children to eat. And then when they're trying to catch one fish, it's so hard. So uh, now they realize, you know, how come my mother gives a hard time for the swimming and catching a fishes, and how come my father gone away so long time to catch a fishes? So, so that's the final action. So, so essentially, I think this is a story of a, a Korean American family. <laughs> well, uh, that's why. <laughs> that's why I think the uh, my son Henry said this is more like a little bit more like uh, Oriental way. Sorry, is that a little bit Korean way? But I, I don't think it's just a Korean way. I think we expose this. This is expose the story like that. But I think all in America, everybody there. Children that were, you know, the fun, and then the the the, the parents, adults, mm -hmm. and they keep on trying to teach them, but different way to teaching teaching okay. it, you know, the Asians and Americans. So that's a little different, but yeah, no, I really like it that it's it's about family and hard work and kind of like the lessons you learn from your parents. Um, I think that's a um, really kind of core of Asian American or Korean American family, right? And yeah. and and the fact that you've kind of translated into a very cute penguin really helps. Okay. <laughs> I also wanted to uh, highlight <clears throat> the fact that, <clears throat> sorry, you're, you didn't draw this, you actually made each page. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's amazing. And you I, have, I, I mean, can this draw. yeah, I can brush paint and easy, but like I, the story here, I I wrote the stories, and then I sketched in each scene of the pages I sketch out, and then I made each penguin's the motion what I needed to. Then the background, I didn't just paint it. Some other one I painted, but I made it with a plaster, uh, and I made it the mountains like that. And then write it down. So that's why it takes so long time. You know, you, you've got you got some skills. <laughs> you, I didn't know it take that long. You know, at the beginning of it. You know, at the beginning, oh, I can make maybe you know one or two months, but it's almost you know nine months over. So I keep on doing that because uh, yeah, I had a fun. You know, I had a fun. I had a fun to make it. Also, uh, in my church class. And these penguins, my senior art class, I give them a clay and they made a penguins. And then they just like that. They made a penguins, they color it, and they give to their, their grandson or grandkid, and they love it. So uh, after that, I'm trying to make the book. So, well, <clears throat> actually, you know, if this book will be success, I will. I'm gonna make it continuously. This kid grows and being an adult to living in a natural life. So that's what I'm trying to make it now. So you, you already know. have a sequel, huh? You already have a second series. Yeah, yeah. What? I, I, I think it's amazing. If, if you're watching us on live right now on Facebook, on the screen, you'll see uh, a detailed photo of um, the the penguins that are 
clay and, and plaster created. And then here in this photo of the laptop and the camera, yeah, and, and, and you see, if, if you look closely, you, you see all the other canvases behind. Um, yeah, every yeah. single page in this book is its own masterpiece work of art, which is incredibly amazing. And, and more importantly, I think it's thoughtful because um, this took you a long time. This took you a lot of investment, uh, time, energy, and, and financially, I imagine. And, and so uh, if you're watching this, if you're listening to us, uh, we, we highly encourage you to join us in supporting Mr. Kim's Kickstarter. Though, yes, the goal has been reached, um, but from a number of different ways. One, we want to support each other, um, yeah. other Asian and Korean American entrepreneurs and artists who are creating their work. Um, we, we want to support them by doing things like this and showcasing, but ultimately uh, buying the things that they're creating and, and putting money to their pockets so that we can further do additional projects. And, and one, um, what a great story to tell your kids and our kids you know, through the stories of penguins, but this could be, you know, this could be your father, this could be your grandfather. And, and, and I think it's also inspirational to a lot of our parents, Mr. Mm -hmm. Kim, uh, like you, who did what you had to do uh, as an immigrant here in this country, um, and to put your art dreams and your uh, passions aside just for a little bit, but to rediscover it uh, at, at a point where you can and you feel comfortable doing um, and obviously, uh, with the internet and with your son and with everything else, really try to get the word out there. So um, I just want to say thank you. Um, it's it's amazing for, for to see this. I think it's really inspirational to me and to a lot of us in our community uh, to never really give up on your dreams. If you feel passionately about something, that something of this quality takes nine months to make. And that I don't know, you know, how it happened, but, you know, your son decides to post it on a Facebook group and three weeks later, here we are talking about the book. And I really do hope that people support it, that people purchase it, um, and more so that people share it out with their other networks so we can get the word out there. If you're hearing this, if you don't have the links, um, all the links to where you can find more about the book, about Mr. Kim and the ways that you can support him are going to be in the show notes of the podcast or on the Facebook posting, wherever you may see this. Thank you. Uh, really from the bottom of our heart for joining us today. Leave us, Mr. Kim, with a New Year message for our listeners and our audience. Oh, uh, thank you, everybody, for, you know, looking at my books and then the stories. I'm really thankful for that. And I wish to every Korean American children, you know, have a lot of love from their parents and get together and growing. So friendly, you know, first personality. That's I really wish to. Thank you very much for joining us today. We wish you health and happiness, uh, Mr. Kim. We wish your family uh, health and happiness. We wish great success in your book. And please start working on the next one. Um, we'll be here to support you. And it's, it's really amazing. And when, when we're able to, be healthy and in person. Uh, Henry, I know you're there listening. Please come down to LA. Uh, we'd love to you know, host you for an event and um, get these books out there. And at least at the very minimum, you can come read to my kids. Cause I think that's gonna be all. So are you in LA? Huh? I'm in LA. Uh, Jang is in Washington. So you're right in, you're right in the middle. In the middle. Oh, I see. You can Thank go north to see her or south to come see me. We'll have to do a road. You always want to do a road trip across America. So we'll have okay. to do that. That's a great idea for a book tour, yeah. And, uh, and oh, sorry, I'm not really on. And and also, I want to thank you so much for, for having him on because uh, uh, I wasn't sure how it was going to be received. And, and so to see so many people supporting is, is amazing. And, and the work you're doing is amazing, too, for the Korean American community because obviously we didn't have that. I didn't have that growing up. So, you know, I, I personally appreciate it. And um, and thank you. Yeah, thank you again, you guys. Uh, well, the broadcasting for the Koreans, so I really can't about that. Thank <laughs> you, Mr. Kim. You. Have a happy new year, and we'll see you soon. Thank All right, you. thank you. Bye. 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 That was really fun. That was awesome. I, I love his book. Um, really, really amazing, thoughtful, um, just really, really great. Um, so if you haven't, uh, do do support him and his efforts, and, and then support all the other authors, too. Uh, uh you know, they're, they're really great stuff. And I, I think we, we buy, and, and we can talk about, we, we've talked about this on uh, our, our media show. 
Um, but we have a tendency as Americans to buy things that are classics that uh, we grew up with or that we find in our kids' schools. Um, but if we don't get out of our comfort zone and buy the books that we want that are new, that are um, produced or published by supposed unknown authors, um, we're never really going to help them become you know, uh, household names. So I want to get back to our question. We just want to spend a little bit more time, Jing, on, on two. Are you okay on time to do a couple more? Okay. Yeah. So I, I want to go back to, uh, we have another anonymous question, and then we will answer, uh, we will address uh, to the best of our ability the, the very challenging question that Tiffany asked, which I think is very, very real and um, uh, personal to very a lot of people um, going through uh, 2020 and 2021 together. Um, so another anonymous question, this may or may not be the same person because it also features a two and a half year old kid. However, here it goes. Um, my two and a half year old has a problem waiting for almost anything and everything. For example, if anyone goes to the restroom at home, he has to be in there too, or he will uh, cry and throw a fit. This is annoying. I'm right there with you. Um, it's hard to get privacy in the bathroom, especially when you're home alone with the kids. Two, when he tells us he's hungry, he gets upset the food isn't there yet. We tell him to wait and he keeps getting upset. Hangry much? Um, how do I teach him best to wait? And it's a little bit of more context. He's generally a very energetic and happy child. He's a Gemini. Uh, wife thinks that there's a relationship there. Um, and uh, he's learning to speak, which is awesome uh, for, for the little kid. And uh, so he, he's starting to learn how to express himself better. Um, and any thoughts here, Dr. Cho? Yeah, well, <laughs> short answer is we got to wait five, year, five more years <laughs> for the bathroom break. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, my daughter, um, so so I, I have the same problem. Um, my daughter likes to come into the bathroom a lot. Um, so we, and she's four, and this is happening since, you know, she's one. Um, and we've tried to, well, we, we taught her the word privacy. Um, and what we did was, well, you, we have to give mom a privacy uh, when you when she goes to the bathroom. So you have to give her some uh, space. So she learned it and she was able to do that for dad. So she was able to give him some privacy when he's in the bathroom. Um, but in, uh, at two, um, but for her, privacy for mom was she would come in and close the door. Mm. So, so uh, I mean, part of it is developmental too, because um, as a child, you, your mom is your, the extension of you. Like there's, there is a point in the development where finally the child realizes that mom is a different entity than me. Um, but I think at that point she didn't have that. So in her mind, privacy for mom means me and mommy in the bathroom, and we close the door, <laughs> right? So. Um, it's definitely a common um, problem. I think one of the things, so th there's two um, uh, examples here. Number one is the bathroom situation. I think if you really do want that separation, then you do have to be firm. Um, so this, um, you know, for me, I think, I think um, this wasn't a, a deal breaker. So I let her be in the bathroom, um, you know, but I think if this is something that you really need, like alone time, some people really need a private or time in the bathroom, then, then you do have to explain the privacy portion and lock the door. And even if you hear the child crying, you got to let it, let it happen. So this is about boundaries, right? So boundary issues. Um, and, you know, one of the things that um, the other anonymous uh, uh, question uh, was asking was about, well, how do I teach my son personal space and more um, uh, learn about gen being gentle to others? This is all about boundaries, right? So you, um, the kid is uh, egocentric as as a development stage, and so they can only think about themselves. It's really hard for them. It's not in their brain yet to know to, how to put themselves in other people's shoes. So you have to teach them how to do that by setting the boundaries. So if you keep on repeating and making sure, even if he does cry uh, outside of your bathroom, you do not open that door unless you know he's doing something very unsafe. Um, then it's gonna he's gonna learn. It takes time and effort, um, and to me, that wasn't. I mean, as personally, I, I you know, as a mom to a four-year-old, um, 
I, I just have a different approach for that. Um, I did have to do put that boundary in for working from home. Um, so, so you know, my door to my office is closed and locked. And even if she does want to come in, it's work hour. Yeah, nothing's going to happen. She can cry. Uh, and she's learned over the months, right? So that is very important. In terms of hungry, um, it's also tied in with development. So the kids don't um, have um, anticipatory feelings about their hungriness. It's like it's the same thing with um, potty training. Like as soon as you feel it, you gotta go, right? Because they don't really up until that time of like you really gotta go, or if you're really really hungry and you eat, kids don't really necessarily feel that, right? Um, until they're much older and say, oh, okay, maybe I'm getting to the point I'm hungry, so I have to let my mom know. That doesn't happen. Um, so. You can uh, also put in um, time limit and say, okay, you, uh, I, I, I heard you that you're hungry. Let's have you wait. Um, and you can put a timer and say, let's wait for five minutes and I'll give you, you know, snack or the dinner time or meal time um, uh, so that you, you put in that time and you, ha this is like a muscle. Patience is a muscle that you, they have to learn to practice. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. Um, it takes a lot more patience on the parent side in order to grow your child's patience. Sometimes it's really, really hard. Um, but th those are the things that you have to do. I think when your child is um, um, kind of really rigid or much more um, strict on what they want, um, those are the things that you have to do. It's a gentle approach to putting that boundary in. Excellent. I think that's a very good point. I think it's about boundaries. It's about patience and um, not succumbing to, you know, not letting the kid dictate the terms of the engagement, which if you let them, they will. Um, and so uh, I, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I know some people have been here for the entire time. Uh, thank you. Um, if you if you enjoy this, uh, subscribe to our show so you can listen to us weekly. Uh, we'll do this live format once a month to uh, get get the thing out there. And so I just want to read uh, Tiffany's comment um, and question. Very relevant uh, and important topic as as we deal with uh, continue to deal with COVID um, vaccine or not, new president or not. Um, it's not going to go away for a while. Um, just to give some people context here in LA. Uh, where, where Tiffany and I both are, LA County EMT ambulances have now been instructed to not take people to the hospital if they not if they cannot be revived on the spot. Um, so these are not just COVID issues. If you get into a car accident, if you have a heart attack at home, if you have other accidents, you may not even be given the chance to go to the hospital to give yourself the best chance of survival. They're also rationing oxygen in uh, EMTs. And so please stay home. Uh, please stay home for your kids. Please stay home for your parents. Um, and so uh, Tiffany writes, uh, so my grandmother passed away on New Year's Day, unfortunately from COVID. I am struggling as a parent to hold myself together, dealing with not being able to say goodbye and not seeing her since February. Do you have any advice on how to manage grief with small children? Uh, please share best practices and any other advice. I'm sorry, Tiffany. This must be really, really hard. I think um, having loss in the family is always hard, but having loss from COVID um, suddenly can be detrimental. And um, a lot of people who've lost their loved ones through COVID um, have even harder time because you're not allowed in their um in their room um, to have that moment um, closure with them. Um, and that could be very, very difficult. Um, so I, I think this is a, uh, something that a lot of people are going through, um, unfortunately. Now, it's normal um, to feel sad. <laughs> Um, when you have a loss, I think, and, and a, a loss that you do not have a closure to, I think as a uh, adult even, um, 
I think it's important that you normalize the grieving process, that you're feeling sad and, and, and can be angry as well. Um, there's a cycle that you can go through in, uh, in terms of uh, process of grief um, that you're going to have to go through them in order to be able to have a closure yourself. And so I think it's okay. Um, and we talked a little bit about uh, this uh, on your podcast, Tiffany, but um, modeling to your children that you're sad or angry is okay, right? So it's okay for them to see you sad. Um, it's normal. It's appropriate. Um, and I think it's going to be something that um, they're going to learn that it is a human cycle where you lose people in your life um, and how to deal with it and to move on. Um, not moving on, meaning, you know, not forget your loved ones, but how to see uh, the future, right, um, without them. Um, as, for, as for explaining to your children, um, in terms of explain death, um, that's going to be really important because I know you, you have little kids. Um, we usually don't uh, advise uh, to have euphemism in terms of death. So for my four-year-old, I would actually tell her that grandma died. And those are the words I'll use. I know it feels a little odd to say those words, um, but kids are very concrete. So like grandma went to heaven. Grandma is away from us. Grandma, um, you know, uh, left us. All of these things um, will register very differently in children. Um, and um, some of the kids will say, uh, think about this, and they, they might not verbalize it, but they might think that they're, they're coming back. Right. Um, so you do have to use the words that, uh, you know, is very plain um, and to normalize that. Um, you don't have to divulge like all the circumstances of um, of how you lost your grandmother. But this is something that is important that you do give them a closure as well, because they haven't seen the, uh, the great grandma um, for a long time because of the COVID. And um, I think it's gonna be important to let them know this is what's happened. There are many different books um, to talk about loss for children. Um, even the, uh, the movie Over the Moon is about grief um, and how to uh, process the grief for little children. And I think those are um, actually really great uh, for children your kid's age because you don't, mm, they tend to really um, identify with those um, movies, books, um, and they have a very good understanding of what really happens, um, and that gets internalized. So it's a very good way to help them process it. But, I mean, overall, sorry, but I, I think the biggest thing is um, self-care for yourself. Um, part of grieving is self-care for you. Think about the fact, think about what your grandma would have wanted for you. I think that's the something that for me personally, I, uh, you know, I lost my grandmother uh, a couple years ago and she had raised me. And that's what really kept me going better because um, yes, I'm in grief, but do I, do I want to lose myself? And would that be something that my grandmother would have wanted? Thank you for sharing that. And Tiff and everybody else who's going through uh, grief, who's going through a loss, uh, who is scared of potential loss as we're all going through this together. Um, and it sucks. Like part of me wants to have my kids see my parents as much as they can, knowing that this could happen too, right? But doing that increases of the other thing happening, which... Um, you know, we, we want to uh, be as safe as we can. So, yeah, thank you. Uh, if, if you're out there um, wanting to ask other questions, uh, please reach out. And I know we've been talking a long time and we want to thank uh, Jang and Mr. Kim and everybody who's asked a question. Um, just a simple yet necessary reminder that even though Dr. Cho is a licensed uh, psychiatrist uh, sharing her opinions on the show, 
Um, you asking her questions or you appearing on the show uh, does not establish a doctor-patient relationship, nor is she serving in the role and capacity as your medical provider. If you want professional medical advice, we encourage you to go seek that out yourself. Uh, we can help with referrals and other things, but we are not here, uh, nor is anything that we do on the Korean American Parenting Podcast um, medical advice, nor should it be construed as such. So we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, if you're watching us live on Facebook, if you're watching the replay on Facebook, thank you for sticking with us. If you're uh, listening to us on the podcast, thank you for subscribing. Uh, jump us, uh, jump on Instagram with us, jump on the newsletter with us. And uh, we wish you happiness, safety, and health. It is January 5th. Call your friends in Georgia. Tell them to run out to the polls and vote. Don't want to see the Senate going in a different direction. So uh, in any case, Happy New Year, everybody. Thank you for being a part of our crew. Thank you for being a part of uh, our network here. Happy New Year. Be safe. And we will see you next week. Happy New Year. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Tiff. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Korean American Parenting Podcast. I want to thank our guest and for you for joining us today as we share our stories and our perspectives along our own Korean American parenting journeys. Follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at Korean American Parenting and be sure to check out our website, KoreanAmericanParenting.com to learn more about the podcast, about us, and about our community. Please take a moment to rate and review this episode if you are listening to us on Apple and share this episode and this podcast with a friend or two in your life who you think would benefit from listening to us. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We wish you all the health and happiness as we go along our parenting journeys together. And we'll see you next time on the Korean American Parenting Podcast.